0: so we have covered clean doors and procrastinating <laughs> <laughs> that's next week brilliant i love that oh my gosh so how's your day been apart from pottering
1: you're good yes, it's not been too bad thank you um yeah it's been it's been a pretty quiet day to be fair um just felt a great topic to be fair but um I don't feel like I didn't get quite enough sleep so it just kind of took me a good few hours to actually properly wake up um but apart from that not much report done a bit of admin done a bit of client bits and bobs deep cleaned um yeah
0: living the dream there in the dream how about you today's been one big blur just just uh, like, I told you on the voice day, it's been, like, the busiest non-busy day ever. Mm. Like, I finish one thing and then there's something else to do. And I'm like, what's going on? It's fine. Really?
1: <laughs> Couldn't have had more different days, then. Could not have.
0: It's all good. But anyway, we're not here to talk about my non-busy, busy day. Um, we're talking about stress today because I put a poll in the WhatsApp chat. and Well, not everyone. It is almost an even-steven split. And then stress and the impacts of fat loss kind of pipped pipped it to a post so the other option was can you remember what i asked
1: i would be lying if i said i did um it was stress and fat loss oh nutrition that was it. Oh, okay yeah um three big
0: mindset shifts for success or nutrition must do so the other options there you go so next week we'll do nutrition but this week we'll do this because clearly they're the two things that lots of people struggle with. So we can get into that. Cool. So what we're going to do is kind of explain how stress kind of impacts people's fat loss journey, specifically women. Um, And then we can get into solutions and what you can do, because we're not just going to talk about the problem. We want to give you some practical ideas on what you can do on the other end so that You've got the tools and knowledge to go off and live a serene life. Okay, so do you want to kick this one off? Because we were chit-chatting and you were like, you know what? I'm going to talk about the hormones, the hunger hormones. So I was like, yeah.
1: Absolutely. See? Absolutely. So can't stress can't stress enough. <laughs> Already in with the puns. We aren't even five seconds in. Um, can't stress enough how you can do all of all the things you can have your nutrition on point you can have everything set but I think if you don't think about those minor details then you're missing a massive part of the picture when it comes to not just a fat loss journey but also a successful fat loss journey that you can look back on and realize you've learned things about yourself from realize that you've learned things about how your body works and it would be so silly to leave out one of the really big things, which is understanding how stress is going to impact the body. So we always say it, and I feel like a lot of the time when we say it to clients, say, try and keep your stress levels down, it's seen as like a thing of, okay, yeah, just generally it's nice to not be stressed, but it can have a massive impact on i say how successful your fat loss journey is how easy your fat loss journey can be because stress can manifest itself in the body um and affect the physical and not just up here in the mental so when it comes to hunger hormones and being stressed the the relationship's a bit of a funny one but the, the when it comes to your hunger hormones there's two main hunger hormones we want to talk about one is called leptin and one is called ghrelin um to give you the really simple kind of explanation leptin is what we call like your satisfaction hormone it's what makes you feel fuller for longer or fuller let's just say and then the ghrelin is the thing that your body sends out to say we're hungry we need some food so leptin levels can when you're stressed can be reduced so your satisfaction from your food your body signals tell you that you are full you've had enough to eat can be a little bit reduced when you are stressed so when you're stressed that's why when you finally do eat i don't understand a lot of people do tend to not eat when they're stressed but when you do you can't quite get enough of whatever it is alongside that by having lower levels of leptin you are going to be reaching for foods that your body knows in its, its heart but knows for sure is going to provide lots and lots of calories. It doesn't matter about nutrition, it's not caring at that moment about the minerals. It's in it's in fight or flight mode. It's stressed, it's highly strong. And when it's highly strong, it knows it needs energy. And what's going to provide energy? It's going to be things that are going to be higher in carbohydrates, higher in fat, what we might consider to be hyper palatable. So foods that are high in sugar, higher in fat. So taste really good to put it simply. So it means that alongside that, not only your hunger hormones going to be affected, your ability to make the right choices because of those hunger hormones are also going to be affected. So that's why even though when you're stressed a lot of the time you don't want to eat and then when you finally do eat, you tend to reach the thing that's quickest. Um, alongside that, not even a hunger hormone, but when you're stressed out, your cortisol levels, that's your stress hormone in itself. That by nature is gonna impact your ability to make those right decisions. So it's gonna cause decision fatigue. It's gonna cause you to not be able to, when you get to the end of your day and you've had an awful day at work, not make the food that's gonna have lots of vegetables, lots of minerals, lots of protein. It's gonna pick the thing again, that it's easier. You can whack in the microwave or you can go on your phone and go on deliver it. And you know, it's not best for you, but again, you've exhausted yourself. Your body is stressed. It's gonna pick that easier option. Um, Yeah, that's that's all I had to say on that was an absolute tyrant of information, so apologies.
0: (laughs) Again, Sarah's geeking out. (laughs) (laughs) You know what, actually, I was just sitting there thinking, like, have you had a situation where you've noticed personally stress impact you, either like just in day to day or it's had a physical manifestation within the body? Because I think that's actually quite important thing to touch on. Like we just think of stress as being like, you know, something that happens in in the head. But actually, like I have a couple of like really big experiences of stress. Like, have you had any?
1: Um, I have anxiety, so yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. So how's like that abs- say again? How does that come out for you? So for me, I definitely think the, the decision fatigue comes into it massively. Decision fatigue is a really fancy way of saying basically when you've you've had to make so many micro decisions day to day that when it comes to stuff that is important to your kind of lifestyle, it kind of gets thrown out the window. So for me, I find that when it gets to do I make something that's actually going to be serving me when it comes to food? Do I pick the easier thing that's just, again either can't be bothered to eat can't be bothered to cook and decide what to eat or do i end up just ordering something or yeah it's those sorts of things i do find um what are the things um the attitude towards the whole everything you're doing i think it massively impacts your outlook on what you're doing um it stops you from seeing the bigger picture um and also makes you way less patient especially when if we're talking specifically about a fat loss journey when you're not seeing that result right there and then, if you're stressed out, then that can be the make or break. So understanding that you're stressed makes a massive difference on... You can go, okay, th- it might not have been the best week. However, my outlook on it has changed because I'm stressed. So I think it can massively change your attitude.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh, Yeah, because one of the big things I try and get clients to do is to reframe. Like You know when you can like... What's the uh, word I'm looking for? The term? Forest for the trees? No, where you... Not dramatize everything, what's the catastrophize? That's it. Uh, And you you can't really step back and assess the the bigger picture of things. Like, yeah, you've had a a crappy day and you might have like face planted into a tub of Ben and Jerry's, but it's not the end of the world, right? But in our head, oh "Oh my God, I've ruined it, that kind of thing. But for me, stress was one of my big triggers for emotional binge eating. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that too. Massive, massive. And um really that that was the next level to me unlocking this whole mindset piece. And this is like way back. And let me tell you, people, everybody struggles with stress. Like no one's got this nailed down because the modern day life is stressful. Like there's a million and one things we need to be doing constantly on the go. And in 2016, I was working as a fitness professional, right? Um, to look at me but damn she's lean as hell she's got her life sorted you know she knows what she's doing but I was just in like a cycle of working out doing loads of steps but then being so emotionally stressed and probably physically as well because I'm trying to keep on top of things that I ended up by 2 p.m. every day, I'll be sinking up like those big fat cookies, like the big ones. I'd be sinking like a bag of those and a bag because they come in four or fives. So I'd have those and then I'd have some crisps and then I'd be like, oh crap, I'll start again tomorrow, be restrictive, then binge eat again. And it, the cycle just continued. And it got to a point for me, I was like, this is just. Fucking ridiculous. So, what are you doing? And I gave myself a good talking to. And what I did was I actually stepped away from focusing on fat loss for a season because I was like, sometimes there are moments when it's time to go all in on your fat loss goals. And there are sometimes when life is just coming at you, you've got to take a step back and be like, we can go into maintenance now. That's fine. It doesn't mean you give up. It just means you back off, go into maintenance, allow yourself to catch yourself. And then when you're ready, you can go again. But it doesn't mean that stops the all or nothing because it's the all or nothing, which is really, really dangerous. So if you can go into, you know what, right now is not a fat loss phase. It is take a step back, let's hit maintenance, let's just tick the basic boxes. And then when I'm ready, then we could go in. The minute I did that, that's when, ironically, everything fell into place the like the big dark cloud over my head was lifted and um i just focused on getting in the gym lifting heavy doing 10k steps a day not 15 steps a day and as a byproduct because the stress was removed my emotional binge eating stopped and i got better results i was like why don't I just do that to start with so that's just a a story of mine how you know it stress can and that's emotional stress can impact you anyway that was a nice nice little side tangent (laughs) so um let's talk about more hormones so stress and how it people can often find it worsening perimenopause symptoms and menopause symptoms and often it can be mistaken for perimenopause because the two are very similar. Now, let me explain why. So if you think most women who are entering perimenopause, our hormones are starting to shift around 35 years old, definitely in our 40s, might be subtle, might not be subtle, right? But things are changing for sure. And so what's happening is our sex hormones, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, are starting to decline. Now, as these decline, cortisol is allowed to rise because progesterone kind of stops cortisol from like breaking through. But if that becomes lower and lower and lower, poof, cortisol rises, which is why perimenopause women start to feel suddenly anxious, more anxious than they used to be. So, like they have reports of like, I get nervous about driving in the car and things that I used to be fine with. I'm finding like I'm really panicky about them now. That's probably because of that, right? Our sex hormones are dipping, cortisol is rising. Now, if you then get stressed physically or emotionally, what happens? Cortisol levels rise even further. It steals even more from progesterone and estrogen. So they decline even more. So it just becomes a vicious cycle until you say enough is enough and you break the cycle, right? Otherwise, you're just gonna keep going round and round and round and you're gonna get more worked up. And I had a really big talk with my sister over the weekend. And she was explaining how I mean she's stressed. She's got four kids, like corporate job. Um, it's a lot to handle. And she's working from home. There's like literally no respite. And she's like, Vanessa, I just feel like I've got a constant hangover, like there's this muzzy fog going on, there's um, you know, skin flare ups, etc. And I'm like, girl. Guarantee it's stress. And she's like, I feel like it's perimenopause. I'm like, I don't think it is. I think you're just so stressed that, you know. And then we had a night away, went to New Forest. It was lovely. She woke up, felt amazing because she'd given herself that was one night she'd given herself that break. And she's like, Oh, I'm actually starting to feel good. I'm starting to feel, lo and behold, she went back, she went up, no, back again. <laughs> so, you know, stress can have a huge impact in how you feel physically, because you're not getting enough sleep. And we'll talk about all of these things a little bit more detail. But it's important to know that sometimes you may think, oh, it's perimenopause, when actually, yes, it probably is, but the symptoms are worsened by the fact that you are stressed. And so the best way to manage your perimenopause symptoms is to have an internal look at your life and be like, right, What is causing the most anxiety, the most stress? Is it my work? Is it my family life? Is my relationship not good? Is it finances? Like all of those things. And then look and see where you can solve the problem. Because yes, we could teach you all the mindfulness hacks. But at the end of the day, the best way to deal with stress is to get right in at the cause and deal with that problem. Otherwise, it will still be there in the background. So that's the... um, the one that i wanted to dig into um what about sleep i'll leave that one wow sleep. sleep is
1: uh, it's so important and you know what as someone that i have i get um i don't even know what the term would be i can't think i get like the opposite of sleep foma like I don't miss sleeping I get to think like nighttime, and in my head that's I feel like where everything's happening in the world so I don't want to go to sleep so I do totally get it from that sense and I do go through phases where I struggle with my sleep but sleep is so so important not just to fat loss if that's your primary goal but also building muscle or toning up or just transforming your body sleep is one of those things that is so underrated um when it comes to the impact and the importance of it and it's one of those kind of double edged sword sort of situations because when you're stressed you struggle to sleep and when you don't sleep enough you increase your stress so it's a difficult cycle to break and i think this will be one of the really big ones when it comes to finding solutions i think a lot of people don't quite realize how much not having enough sleep is actually causing them stress. Because again, what happens when you're sleeping? Sleeping is essentially your body's opportunity, only opportunity in the day to fully recover, fully rebuild and fully kind of like recoup, if you want to put it that way. Sleep is where everything in the body in terms of recovery and repair happens. That's where all the main processes go on. So if you're depriving yourself of sleep, whether that be because you are stressed, we'll get to that in a second, or you are just not sleeping enough, you're scrolling in bed, that's the time you scroll on Instagram and you go down an Instagram like absolute tunnel or a TikTok tunnel or whatever it is. And you end up getting to the point where it's 2 a.m. You've got to get back up at 6 a.m. Let's say your body can do it for a while. But as soon as you start to become sleep deprived, that's when there's massive impacts on things like your hormones. So when you are in a high stress scenarios, so when you are not sleeping enough, your body goes into, again, another fight or flight mode. And it produces something like something called cortisol, which is your stress hormone. So, your stress hormone is going to basically push you through the day and allow you to carry on going. Um, it's going to allow you to, in theory, when you were hunter gatherers, when we were in theory being at a threat, it would be allowing them to stay up for longer hours. So, it's not ideal in the body in today's society, it is. Happening all the time. We have all got higher levels of course toll. We shouldn't be having this level of course toll in our body all the time. So, while it was maybe beneficial back in that time where we needed to be up at random times and it wasn't frequent, whereas now it is an issue. And when your levels of course toll are higher, um, it's going to manifest in your body. And it goes back to again all those impacts and stuff on things like, for example, your hunger levels, your hormone levels, sorry, with your hunger. Um, and your ability to perform so when it comes to getting results not getting enough sleep you're not going to be able to perform properly in the gym you're not going to get those pbs as frequently your attitude in the gym is going to change you're going to definitely find you can't be bothered if you are more tired um it's also going to mean you're not recovering and allowing your body to repair so your body is not going to be able to build that muscle that you are working so hard to do um to to build um it's just going to make everything that much harder and this comes back to that whole thing of trying to break that cycle trying to increase the amount of sleep you're getting but then when you are high in stress you're not going to be able to establish a deeper level of sleep so it's going to affect your sleeping pattern um it can cause you to not find getting to sleep a lot more difficult because again your cortisol levels are keeping you awake and then you might find that you wake up more frequently. You might find you experience more dreaming. So you are in what's called REM sleep. So this is where you're dreaming. It's called rapid eye movement um, sleep. And this is where your body, your, your brain is just wired and it's going and it's going and going. So the more stressed you are, the less you're gonna be able to dip into that deep sleep where your body is actually recovering and repairing. And you're gonna find you're at a lighter level of sleep where you're more likely to wake up through the night um, and you don't feel rested when you wake up.
0: Yeah. Speaking of dreams, I had some weird ass dreams last night and I can't remember them. I I was waking up thinking that was bizarre. It was really weird. If I remember it, I'm going to share it because it was like epic. It was fun, though. I remember it being fun.
1: I love talking about dreams like I. So another thing, one hack that I would say is if you do find that you um, struggle to sleep deep and you dream a lot take magnesium. It's the one thing I, I harp on about all the time, all the time. But the reason that I don't, I don't sleep very deep unless I take magnesium. And the reason I know that is I have the wackiest dreams going. Like I told Vanessa about one in, in, in the gym a few weeks ago, and it was essentially where I was captured by human traffickers um made to tread water among sharks for ages and then there was some sort of like political issue in the sense that the the male people that were kidnapped were being treated better than the women weirdest dream ever why i dreamt it no idea but i just have the weirdest wackiest dream so if ever you want someone to analyze i i would sign myself up immediately because i've got no idea what any of it means there's no meaning behind it
0: but yeah she needs to be locked up she's <laughs> unstable Honestly, honestly Oh God. Um, I was actually I was gonna say something about sleep. You know what? I always say sleep is like the body's reset button, like for everything. So if that's like the most simplest way to explain it, it's like you need a good seven, eight hours sleep. Um yeah, it's just nothing like happens about sleep because it impacts everything, doesn't it? Like motivation, your hunger. Your ability to think clearly, make better choices, your performance, like everything. The list goes on. So if there's one thing you can do, I'd be like, start with your sleep for sure. Unless you're a mother, (laughs) crying baby, then it might be a little bit harder. But then
1: even that, that's just case and point is that whenever you come across a mother that is going through that, that phase where baby's up every couple of hours, they're just like a shell of themselves and, that, and that's just case in point your body there's only so much the body can handle and I think a lot of people that I speak to kind of say like, oh I'm I'm absolutely fine I'm like five hours of sleep I'm like shaking them like but you're not like you might feel <laughs> it but I promise you you are not that is the body-
0: point that is like yeah. it's almost like when someone's eating rubbish or whatever the, the diet's their diet said diet like, oh yeah I'm absolutely fine and then they eat well and then they do that for a little bit, then revert back to how they worry and like, oh my God, I feel absolutely horrendous. Is this how I was feeling when I said I felt good? I'm like, yes, yes, it is.
1: <laughs> it's well, like when someone's never had an eye test, think they can see well, and then they suddenly put a glass on and go like, oh oh, that's what you look like. You know, like you're not going to know until you've tried it. So people saying they are fine on X amount of sleep. And I have also, I've definitely been that person that says I can survive on not enough sleep. And then I get enough sleep. And then your body suddenly goes, we want more of this shit. And that's when you kind of get to that point where they go, oh, I slept more, but now I'm more tired. And it's like, yeah, because your body's realized what how good it could be. Like this is, they realize how good it could be right now. So they're trying to get you to do it more. So 100%, I think sleep is the, in my opinion, the most underrated part, like, and I've personally seen massive changes since actually prioritising my sleep, um, I don't get crashes through the day, I used to literally sit there and go, like, fall asleep, I'm not near enough fall asleep, um,
0: it or means, asleep actually, asleep say again? There is just born asleep all over the place.
1: It was bad, it was really bad, but I've, I've been that person, and also even, make, again, I see it in myself, making decisions when it comes to food, um, making decision when it comes to going to the gym little bits and pieces I anyone that says they are fine on like five hours sleep try it try a week and then you'll suddenly find that there's a switch where your body goes okay we need more and then you feel tired and then it's just a, it's a phase you have to go through
0: yeah I love your analogies we need more of these it's like when you, <laughs> that analogy of putting glasses on was like on point love that um okay so we I have shared obviously my emotional binge eating but like when we're stressed right the the whole point how emotional binge eating happens is or just emotional eating is because we are programmed to feel good right we want to feel good and or not even just good just homeostasis we just want to feel okay as human beings right if we're feeling stressed anxious sad upset worried whatever any of those lower energy feelings we don't like it. And our brain will automatically be like, OK, I need to feel better. Where can I get some dopamine from? Guess what? The most the least path of resistance will be in your kitchen, in your fridge, in your cupboards, because you haven't got to do anything to access it. Right. All you need to do is open up that fridge, pull out that chocolate cake, sit down on your sofa, boom dopamine hit right there and your brain goes ding 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 that was nice more please and then you're off right so this is the thing when we're feeling stressed all we're essentially looking for is that next higher level emotion we just want to feel back to homeostasis it doesn't mean you have to go from feeling stressed to feeling elated it's probably never going to happen unless you're like Really good at elevate changing your state, but just going from stress to feeling a little bit calmer can be the difference between you polishing off that tub of Ben and Jerry's or you kind of going, okay, I've, I've got this, right? And so that's why we emotionally eat. Now more and more women are starting to drink, right? This has been a big thing. I would say in the last 15 years, more women are drinking at home on the weekdays because they're finding a way to relax, to de-stress, to unwind from their busy life. And it's basically all these things are our emotional crutches, right? We're just using them to crutch up our emotions so that, well, it's just a lazy way of making yourself feel better, right? So what could we do? Now, this is the thing. The brain is programmed to find the path of least resistance, which is why food and alcohol are very easy access. We don't really have to do much to get that dopamine here. But if you were to give yourself the opportunity to do something different, so it could be. Speaking to a friend, watching a comedy, make sure your friend's an upbeat friend, don't go to Debbie Downer because she'll she'll Crack open that bottle of wine with you. Speak to someone who you know is like, oh girl, you've got this. Is going to give you a pep talk. Huh? Uh, put on a comedy. Have a little dance off in your bedroom. Singing. Oh my gosh. Singing for me in my car. <sighs> Love it. Right. Find something that's going to help you elevate your mood. Get outside. Go for a walk. Do a run. Like whatever it is, but it's going to help shift you out of your state. Moving your body is a brilliant one. Like, even if you're at home, just shaking it out in the kitchen with some loud music, guarantee you, you're going to feel amazing. Might look crazy, but it will work. So those are the things that you can do to help elevate your mood. And there are more like I have a bucket list and some days some of them don't work for me. So I I pretty much, oh, that didn't work. What else can I do? That will work with today. I will go through my list like that. Um, and then eventually something will bring me out of that state but that's how you crack the emotional eating um is to find other ways to get that dopamine hit so i hope that's been helpful um what have we got here erica says my problem is not eating when stressed rather than the binge
1: oh okay. so she's fine she's not eating when she's stressed yeah uh,
0: that's a uh, that's a uh, my sister's like my older sister She's exactly the same and the weight falls off her when she's stressed. But then you have to be careful on the back end of it, because then if you lose a lot of weight, a lot of that weight will be some body fat, but it'll also be hard-earned muscle tissue. And then you're going to reduce your BMR, which is your you know ability to eat calories, that will be reduced. And then when you go back to eating normally. is why people go i've lost loads of weight and then they gain it back but with a couple of extra pounds and like why am i bigger now than i was before and it's because muscle wastage um so yeah you've got to be careful of that one um yes anything else to add to that sarah yeah no the um
1: with um erica's issue of not eating i i I, do know what i'm on both sides of the camp i have been i've been an emotional binge eater that was an issue for me for years um to put it frankly but then also I have also been and probably more so nowadays I'm the person that maybe forgets to eat I never thought I'd be that person that forgets to eat when I'm stressed or just I lose my appetite and I do experience things like nausea especially when I'm having a particularly anxious day I experience nausea so I I can relate to it my recommendations for that would be to If you are finding that, especially if we're looking from a kind of a fat loss perspective, so you're trying to keep your calorie consumption consistent so that you're not going to experience pangs of hunger when you are in a lower stress situation, but also to keep energy levels up so you're able to do things like hit your steps, do your activity, do your training, etc. Capitalising on the times in the day where You are more hungry. So, for me personally, typically morning. So, I will try and capitalize if I know I'm going to be stressed. Sometimes you can't always work around it. Say, for example, you have got a busy day at work and you just know you've just got to get through it. Try and capitalize on those moments where you are able to eat more. Um, And also, scheduling the same way that we schedule meetings in our calendar or getting our steps in or whatever it is you need to do, schedule when you're going to eat. Because if it's more of a thing of it's just something that you get thrown to the back burner, Write it in your calendar. If if you've got a ten minute gap, that's when you're going to eat. If you've got twenty minutes between two meetings, that's when you've got to eat. Like make it a priority because, like training, like steps, like getting your water in, not eating's not a solution. Um, it just isn't. It's not. It's not productive. So I would say to try and s- schedule it. Be overly retentive over the whole thing and just make sure it's something that's not um cast uh, cast aside.
0: Yeah, that's, that's actually a very good point. You know, um, the heartbreak diet, that's where my appetite used to go. Freaking mm-hmm. hell. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> God needs to eat. But you just can't. <laughs> I was like two weeks of eating hardly anything. And I was like, oh, I'm so tiny.
1: <laughs> I, was ri- I was ripped after the breakup. I was ripped. <laughs>
0: yeah. But then oh, he came well. back and I was like, oh, man, never mind. Never <laughs> mind. Yeah, Um, Um, I was actually going to say to your point of going right back to the hunger hormones. And this is relevant because people um, to Erica's point saying that, you know, when you're stressed, you don't eat. But also when we are perimenopausal, your hormones and your hunger hormones uh, actually can dysregulate. So what will happen is a lot of women who then go into mindfulness eating when they're in perimenopause, ending up eating like toddlers because, oh, yeah, I'm just not feeling hungry. And it's not because your body doesn't require the fuel. It's just because your hormones are out of whack. Your hunger signals like so the body, what it should be doing is signaling. I'm done. I need food. Please fuel me up. But that's not happening. And so when people, when women go, yeah, but I'm just not hungry. I don't want to eat breakfast. I don't. That's because your hunger hormones are out of whack. We need to sort that out. Which is why, to your point, Sarah, like scheduling eating, although it sounds ridiculous, is actually a really good idea because there's no way if you're just going to be eating mindfully on 1,200 calories and most of that's going to be like lettuce leaves, then. You're not going to be able to build the muscle to get the physique that you want at the end of the day. So, yeah, that's my little rant over with that one. <laughs> okay, next one. Um, okay. Oh, this is for you, Sarah. Physical. Oh, it's me. It's you. He Physic- stress. Uh, sort of. What did Daniel say? Uh, well, i definitely won't have no eating problems. <laughs> You know, Danielle is a foodie like me. She loves food now. I'm a
1: massive foodie, but I can't, like, I, I remember it's things like, I don't know about you, but it's days like moving day. Like, when I first moved into my house, I had, like, a biscuit all day. Little things like that. And I was like, oh, I've never been someone that doesn't eat when I'm, stra- like, I'm not someone that ever goes, like, oh, I forgot to eat today. But it's only <laughs> ever when I'm, like, high stress, like, go, go, go situations. That's when the only time it ever goes out of my mind. So normally I'm definitely yeah. back out.
0: Not a good idea not to let me eat because I am really narky. I'm like, I can get I know it in my in myself, I can feel myself getting really short, and I'm like, oh, I think I better eat something because Angry. I'm hungry. Yeah, I am Angry. not a nice human right now.
1: <laughs> so okay. what was my topic again? What was the actual
0: thing? Oh yeah, so physical
1: stress um in the body from doing too much exercise. Um or too high intensity. Now, Vanessa, I think you're going to have a massive, um, bit to say on this about the kind of menopause side of things. Um, when it comes to the importance of weight training, as opposed to doing tons and tons of cardio. So I'm going to leave that little bit to you. Um, but when it comes to doing too much exercise, let's go with that. So too much exercise when people say they're training six, seven times a week, um, you have to realize that doing exercise, so whether it be high intensity or like high, um, high effort, so heavy weights in the gym, um, your body is being put through physical stress, That is through kind of like the mental load of it, that is the physical strain, that is the breaking down of the muscle to allow it to then build up to to become bigger. So your body is under physical stress. Now, there's only so much the body can take before it starts to essentially not be able to perform as it should, not be able to repair as it should so by while it like a lot of people seem to say see that adding in more exercise you're just doing more of what you need to do your body does have a certain point where it can't repair in the time you're giving it so this is why when people say they do weight six seven times a week I'm saying either you're not working hard enough to to warrant that change alternatively you're doing too much for your body to be able to actually handle and if anything you're just digging yourself into the ground and not allowing it time to build it's you need to give your body time to build on what you're actually trying to do so this is where it's really important to stick to the amount of scheduled workouts you're given um, or stick to a structured routine which typically is going to allow for at least one day's rest absolute bare minimum one day's rest anyone that's not taking a rest day your body is just not going to perform in the way it should ideally probably two that doesn't mean you have to sit around and do absolutely nothing all day but it does mean that you can't be lifting weights every day you can't be doing a high intensity spin class where your heart rate's getting above that 80 percent every single day your body is just not going to be optimal yes you can do it I'm not saying I'm not trying to get anyone to prove me wrong and say it's physically impossible or physically is possible but you're just not going to be in an optimal position if you're looking at fat loss if you're looking at Healthy living, your body is not in its prime position if you are absolutely battering it on a daily basis and not giving it a chance to rest. Um, when it comes to high intensity, again, this is where it's really important. This is where I think when I'm saying about the heart rate being really high, so doing tons and tons of high intensity is the most important part when it comes to weight training nine times out of 10 if you're physically able to do six to seven sessions in the gym per week my inkling would be that you're just spinning your wheels it's probably not enough intensity in the gym and it makes sense to then reduce it does that make sense i hope i'm not waffling too much there
0: no i got it yeah <laughs> like almost be intentional when you're doing your workouts 100 percent. Almost- yeah 100 um and then this this all it all comes back in full
1: circle, really. So if you're not if you're exercising too much, you're gonna find that you're not rested. You're gonna find that you're it's gonna impact other areas of your life, it's gonna impact your um your overall stress levels. So it's gonna cause your body to be in a position where it's constantly fighting to to repair itself. And again, that's going to just fall into everything else. Your ability to string sentences together, it's going to affect your impact, your your quality of sleep. It's going to impact again your kind of your stress levels, your hunger levels. It's just it just falls into one big circle. All of this is really important. That overall stress levels, not putting your body through too much too soon, really important.
0: Mm, I agree wholeheartedly. It. It's like my pet peeve. As <laughs> you know, I just see women hammering their body. I'm like, oh if you just pull back and I think I mean I had this experience um so yes there's an element like it's way harder as you're in your perimenopause years 35 plus right let's just put 35 plus it's going to be harder to do more and see those results I was how old was I 32 and I was doing bikini competitions and I didn't have a coach at the time and so what I was doing was I was eating like ridiculous 900 calories doing two hours of cardio a day lifting weights and doing boot camp so I was literally pushing my body to its absolute breaking point I remember sitting in a cafe in the morning with my daughter dropping her off to school we always went to this little cafe before we went in because you had to kill some time and I just sat there and then all of a sudden I'm like I actually can't move I'm like and when I say I can't move I'm not like exaggerating i couldn't move i was done i was like i don't even know if i can make it to my car like i was that dog tired my body was like i was done and that's when i was like oh shit i've basically screwed myself up so immediately managed to go to the shop and um i managed to go to shop get some dark chocolate sat in a car wafted this chocolate inside me it like the quickest thing I could get to get me in and I had to take two weeks off because my adrenals were just shot like done so that was in that was when I'll say yes it's a bit of an extreme example but the body does have a breaking point that was clearly my breaking point um so the next part would be if you are um <laughs> say so if you are i've lost my train of thought if you are perimenopausal 35 plus it's and you are not managing and, and you are kind of class hopping doing I don't know body pumps spin classes your own kind of um weight training on top of that it's going to it's going to be a lot for your body to recover from and it's going to make your fat loss journey believe it or not a lot slower than you would like it's going to feel like a pushing a boulder up the hill and you're going to feel for the amount of effort you're putting in that you're not getting the returns that you think you should be seeing and that is going to frustrate you and you're going to end up throwing the towel in because you're going too hard my my thing i say all the time is when we give our body what it needs so rest intentional training and good fuel right good diet good nutrition then it'll give you what you want which is ultimately fat loss looking tone looking lean feeling strong all of it will fall into place when you start treating your body right and that is how you get a badass body for sure so that's all I have to say on that point but yeah absolutely and you know what It's, it's a bit of a trying
1: to find a middle ground really so I've got two clients that absolutely will be listening right now um and they are both doing incredibly they have both um one trying to gain muscle one trying to gain weight um one trying to lose weight and they are slowly transitioning into doing more weights which is incredible but they love a spin class and they love doing all these bits and pieces they love running they start running now and they are doing incredibly at it Now, I have said to them that obviously doing more weight sessions is going to get that result for them. It's going to see those changes, but they love doing spin classes and they are like thoroughly enjoying their running experience. So is it would it be optimal to do, let's say, four weight sessions a week and then try and like control that cardio that a little bit more? Maybe. But are they going to enjoy it as much? Probably not. So this is one of the kind of balancing points. And that's where when someone says, OK, well, I can exercise six, seven times a week and they need to because they they need that mental kind of headspace. Totally get that. And it just comes down to, again, if we're talking about the best way to deal with your body, especially if fat fat loss is your primary goal, that's what's going to be most important. It's finding that that middle ground. But we're not saying to completely cut out all those things that you enjoy. Because that's definitely got to come into it. And again, to keep yourself stress-free on a mental side of things. And yeah, you have got to include those exercises and those classes and those things that you love doing, but just understanding the impact on the body when you're doing too much. That's what it is. It's just finding that tipping point and not letting yourself get to that point. Finding the minimal dose. That's what it comes down to. The the least that you're able to do, but again, finding that middle ground where it's what you enjoy doing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Cool. Um, I think the last thing really to say here is when we're stressed, like trying to implement new habits is hard anyway. Like we're having to unlearn unhealthy habits and learn new healthy habits. And that is quite a tricky process. It takes time for it to stick. If you're feeling stressed, then that's going to be a lot harder. And so it's you finding a way to help manage your stress levels will make sticking to your new healthy habits a lot easier so I think we're going to end with some solutions because otherwise we will be everyone will be like oh my gosh now what give me some like help on what to do because I'm doing it all wrong so I'm going to say give me your top three solutions to what we spoke yeah. about Vanessa I've got five written down. <laughs> Give me five and I'll see if I can add to it. <laughs> okay so um okay maybe I could do four. Yeah we'll go we'll go with four. So if, I, if leave one out I feel bad. I Say again? If, I, if you leave one out I'll feel bad.
1: Well I mean okay I'm just gonna I'll just word form it and we'll just see how many we come up to. So cool. first thing I'm gonna tackle is the sleep. Now when it comes to getting more sleep, the really obvious like thing to say is go to bed earlier, right? Really obvious, Um, not groundbreaking. I'm not going to get a TED talk by saying that. But the, the most important thing is, I think for most people, it's getting to sleep. But when it comes to setting up a sleep schedule is really important. I'm someone that I've got no sense of time. I've got zero sense of time. I don't know how long it takes for me to do general things. Like if, if my boyfriend says to me, right, we've got to leave in half hour. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. i am just got to hoover the whole house. I'm going to have a shower, dry my hair and do my makeup. So I'll be fine. I've got no concept of time. So one thing that I have found really useful personally is I have an alarm set up that goes off at, well, it depends on what day it is now, but generally speaking, it, the alarm goes off at 1030 at night. Because at that point, that alarm goes off and that suddenly brings me back to reality to go, right, it's it's half 10 at night. I kind of want to be in bed in the next half hour. So I need to start doing things that are going to help me to get ready for bed. So that's one thing I would recommend personally would be to try and establish a time you at least start getting ready for bed that's gonna your body really relies on routine so if you start getting that routine set your body will start to kind of switch on to that and it will start to release those sleepy hormones things like melatonin that are going to help you to get to sleep um i don't know about you but when i close my eyes to go to bed at night that is when my brain suddenly pulls every thought i've ever had out and it starts asking things like where's your passport or You need to remember to do this tomorrow. Little things, it'll pop up. One thing that I'd recommend is mind dumping. So having a notepad, try not to on your phone because again, you're just opening up screen time. That's my next point. But try and get any thought in your brain that's stopping you from getting to sleep get it out if you're stressed about something that's going on tomorrow if you're thinking about oh i must remember to grab that out the fridge i must remember this get on a bit of paper because you're going to be stressing about trying to remember it where you could literally just put that physical reminder to yourself there and then that's what i'd recommend when it comes to getting to sleep um screen time I'm, again, someone that says it, and I totally do not always do it, but from experience, it does help getting your screen time down around bedtime. So having that blue light, so the the, the light your phone screen or iPad or laptop emits, it's causing the the brain to not be able to quite switch off so try and reduce the amount of screen time around bed so maybe again for that's sort our of example of having a long go off that's bedtime you then set your alarms put your phone on do not disturb and then pop it on charge and then that next half hour you're away from your phone you're not getting all that light that's going to be keeping you awake and messing up your sleep pattern potentially mm-hmm. um And then the final thing, I think I've already said this earlier on, in terms of sleep quality, while we're trying to manage stress, one thing that I personally have found really useful is taking a magnesium supplement before bed, um, about 30 minutes. It helps you to develop a deeper level of sleep, In worst case scenario it's going to also help reduce cramping if you get cramping in your feet it's going to help with that it's not a bad thing to take overall so i would say if you struggle with deep like not getting deep enough sleep try taking some magnesium just before bed and i personally find that helps um and then the final thing is habit swapping so when it comes to being stressed um the body there's a book if you want a book to read about habit forming the power of habit it's an amazing book and it changed so many things but the main kind of crux of it is that the mind is not very good at dropping things that's the reason that we find it really difficult to drop bad habits because quite often we're told to just cut it cut it stop doing it don't do that things like the emotional binge eating, we say, right, I'm going to I'm gonna stop doing this thing that's really bad for me. But you're not replacing it with anything. So then you're creating a gap and you're creating this emptiness as such. So swapping out those habits. So if, for example, exactly as Vanessa was saying about how you get to the end of the day, you're stressed out, you grab a glass of wine, as opposed to saying, I'm not going to drink a glass of wine. And then you're constantly just reminded of this empty hand that you've got, swapping it for something else, whether that be you were having... A can of diet coke you are having a sparkling water you're having a hot tea things like that some something that obviously it's not a malbec it doesn't taste the same as a malbec it's not as delicious as a malbec but you're swapping that habit with something else and again if you're stress eating maybe trying to swap that for going for a walk replacing that habit can really not make it the easiest ride possible ever but it's going to make that transition that much easier mm love though that's all (laughs) my points
0: um I would say I'm just going to focus on elevating the mood um so yeah basically elevating your mood is going to help you um how can you do this first of all when you wake up good point do not jump straight onto your phone um it's a horrific statistic about I think it's like 90% of people wake up and the first 15 minutes of the day, they're already on their phone. That's wild. So try and get like check in with yourself before you start letting everything else, the external world penetrate you. Um, And just check in with how you're feeling and maybe just spend five to 10, 15 minutes, just like being quiet, being still, maybe moving your body, doing some stretches, maybe journaling, doing some gratitude. That's, The first part of your day is for you. I'm so religious about that. Um, Another one I would do is just make a list of all the things that make you happy, that give you a dopamine hit. Because on those days when you're feeling a bit stressed, sad, whatever, and these are the days when you either wouldn't go work out or you're gonna start raiding the fridge, um, you're gonna make some really bad decisions when it comes to your nutrition, then having this list of what you can do to help elevate your mood is going to be your lifesaver. So I will have things like get out for nature, take Astro for a walk, put on some music, like some real uplifting music or even some like heavy metal. if That's your jam. I don't I don't know. Whatever needs to like happen. Dance around in the kitchen, um, go to the gym, because I know even though the motivation for the gym in, in the moment is probably not high. I do know off the back end of that that I'm going to feel amazing for it and so that will inspire me to go. Having a dance-off in the kitchen, phoning a positive friend, cracking a joke, and the best one, I can't believe I've left this to the last, is go do something for somebody else. That that changes your state straight away. Like, I'd be like, you know what? It's not all about me. Let's get out of my little funk. Let's go do something for somebody else and do something positive, and that actually makes me feel way better than most of the other things I just mentioned. So that's what I would suggest. And there are a ton of other things that you can do, meditation, breath work, but I think we can save that for a whole other podcast because that's probably something that we could um, do live. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but that's it from us. So that was a bit of a long one. Sorry, I was. Guys. I enjoyed that though. We obviously had a lot to say. We always do. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for listening. And um yeah that's it till next time